Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Joey Nolfi, Drag Race Beat reporter at Entertainment Weekly and host of EW's Binge podcast, along with our digital news director, Jillian Cederholm. And welcome to a very special episode of EW's Binge podcast on RuPaul's Drag Race. Instead of doing a regular season recap like we have been every week, today, as part of EW's awardist coverage of the Emmys, we've assembled a queer council for a very important discussion on race, equality, and representation in the RuPaul's Drag Race community. This episode features season 10 finalist Asia O'Hara moderating a conversation with five black queens who've consecutively won drag race titles since early 2019, including All-Stars 4 winner Monet Exchange, season 11's Evie Oddly, season 12 champion Jada Essence Hall and her Miss Congeniality companion Heidi N. Closet, and reigning All-Stars 5 victor Shea Coulee. Together, they're sifting through issues like racism on social media, using their voices to amplify Black Lives Matter initiatives, and how Drag Race has used its platform to encourage people to vote in a presidential election year. So I'll let Asia take it away on a discussion on all that has contributed to making Drag Race one of the best and most important TV shows on television right now, one that has received 13 Emmy nominations as a franchise this year alone. Thank you for listening and enjoy the important conversation ahead. Hi everyone, I am Asia O'Hara and welcome to Entertainment Weekly's latest video roundtable. As part of Entertainment Weekly's awardist coverage of the Emmys, I'm here with five of my fabulous friends to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race and its landmark year for representation, as well as the excellence fueling the franchise's 13 Emmy nominations in 2020. Since 2019, RuPaul's Drag Race has crowned five black queens in a row. Beginning with, of course, Monet Exchange, the winner of All Stars 4, who is here with us today for our fabulous Queer Summit on Representation. Hi, Monet. Hi, Asia. You look stunning. Thank you. That's very interesting that you think we're friends. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and moving right along, we also have, I know she's my friend, Evie Oddly, winner of season 11 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, howdy, y'all. Uh, I think it's more like when your mom says, are you still my friend? And you have to be like, of course you are, mom. Exactly. You get it. And this year, in a first for the franchise, Drag Race celebrated three Black queens with prestigious titles, including Jada Essence Hall, the season 12 champion. Hi, Jada. Hi, Asia. Heidi in Closet, season 12's Miss Congeniality. Hi. Hi. And of course, Shay Coulee, the crown queen of All Stars 5. Hi, Shay. Hey, Asia. How's it going, girl? <laughs> Great. Everybody looks so spectacular, even Monet. And welcome to this roundtable discussion. <laughs> For the first time in history of this franchise, both Miss Congeniality and the winner are queens of color. Let's, of course, explore what that representation means. Representation is definitely something that is uh, very much so needed, especially in today, um, today's society, because it shows that we come from very different walks of life, but we also represent a vast majority of the people out there that come from all different kinds of um, walks of life. And I feel like, it, it was time, and I think it's the perfect timing 
I'm so proud to be here with shining symbols of excellence, including all of uh, the girls who have won in a row, been knocking it out, including you too, Asia, because you are a superstar. Um, but um, I just want people out there to know, first and foremost, that although we are all people of color and I'm very proud of my background, you have to understand and know that every single one of us that has uh, taken home a prize from Drag Race, um, not just because we are African-American or, or, or women of color or queens of color, I should say, um, but because we've worked hard and the work that we've done and put in put forth is what is the reason that we're here right now. I think it's notable to say that um, in addition, we've seen increasingly more um, queens um, of Muslim descent, um, Iranian um, and more uh, and uh, more culture stepping into the workroom. Um, how does that feel to feel like you were part of, you know, part of the franchise that ushered in so much diversity. The show RuPaul's Drag Race in itself, the entity of RuPaul's Drag Race and All-Stars, um, the show is diverse. Every season, you see a rainbow of different colors, brown, purple, black, yellow, brown, whatever. All those colors are represented, and, and, and I think the show does a good job of getting so many different walks of life, so many... Drag Race in itself has given, has birthed the stories of so many queer POC color, um, um, people around America and even around the world, you know what I mean? So I think that's, that we all agree on that. Where the discrepancy comes is with the fan base and how they treat us and how they receive us. And I think we all know, we've, we've all been at the shows at the meet and greets uh, in, in New Jersey, in California, in Spain, Romania, wherever you are, and you see the demographic of the people who are digesting Drag Race look a particular kind of way. And I think that we know that the reason why they sometimes don't know how to receive us or how to speak to us or don't gravitate to us is because who their friends are, who their families are, they don't know people that look like us. They don't have trans friends. Um, they don't have black friends. They don't have Hispanic friends. They don't have Muslim friends. So I think that the onus is, is, is not on us to educate them on how to love us, but them to take it upon themselves to diversify their family and their friends and to have conversations and meaningful experiences with people that don't look like them so that so that so that so that seeing us is not a token. It's not this strange thing. Oh, a black queen, that's interesting, but it, it becomes commonplace. So I think that's where the conversation needs to shift as opposed to us making sure that we teach them how to treat and handle us. And do you think that there's anything that could be done to get more people that come from similar walks of lives and more people that do have, you know, friends of color and trans friends? Do you think there's work that we could be that could be done to get those type of people more interested in RuPaul's Drag Race? I feel like the best thing that we could do is a continue to support the franchise, but also b like push for more diversity on the franchise. And this is like a touchy a, a touchy subject because the fans have been so adamant about it. But ultimately, drag, where it is now in the world, is such a colorful thing that it can't be defined by, like, what your genitalia are, what gen genitalia you may or may not have in the future. Like, it can't be defined by your color. And why Drag Race specifically blossomed was it told these stories that were really progressive for the time. Mm -hmm. And... Ultimately, we still owe it to our community, the people out there who are suffering and the people who still aren't even treated equal by us in our community. We owe them the space and time to shine if we're going to be glorifying the, the easier to digest parts of our community. 
I know for myself, like my brother and my father um, who spoke for me on the show, they have never watched Drag Race in their life and probably never would have watched Drag Race in their life had it not been for the fact that the show decided to place someone like myself on the show. And I think just by letting people in the world know that we exist and let them hear our stories, that's going to allow more people out there in the world who might not be interested in the show realize that like, oh my God, I have more in common with these people than I thought I did. So let's talk about the word tokenism because a lot of times the word tokenism is... um used hand in hand with the word representation. What do you guys think is the difference or the similarities between tokenism and representation? Tokenism is that they, it's just being brought there just because they feel like it should be put there. Like, oh, we need to check all the boxes off. You know, make sure that this, we have this, we have that, we have this, we have that, we have this, and that, and that. So just, it's basically just diversification just for, just to have diversification and not really like focus on the the actual representation of it. And the representation is really like getting to the meat of the people and not just saying, well, we have this person of color here, we have this person of color there, but really like delving into who this person is, not just as the skin tone, but as a person and what all they represent because we all represent more than just our skin tone. And to also piggyback off of what Heidi was saying, I think um, one thing that really distinguishes the two of them is that um, tokenism really takes like one individual and places a bunch of different archetypes and experiences upon that person in order to claim that the space is being diversified. If you're actually diversifying something, you are bringing in so many different experiences, walks of life, different types of Black people, different eco-economic uh, statuses. Like, that is part of what diversity means. It means creating a more enriched experience from people who come from multiple different backgrounds versus tokenism, which just takes like one person to try and like fill a void and appear as if they are diverse. Which is so true because I feel like I've done a lot of shows in the past where you would go and there's like, you're the black girl in the show. And you wonder why, like, why are there no other black girls booked in this gig? And it's like, well, girl, we just need the one black girl who's going to represent all the black girls tonight in the show. And like, you happen to be that girl. You know what I mean? And, um, or sometimes we've not been that girl and we've been to shows when you sit in the audience like, girl, it's funny that every single time they do a show, there's one black girl and it's that same girl. And I feel like, just like you said, that's the difference between representation and tokenism. You can't just take one person constantly and use that person as like, this person is going to be our black girl in the show. You know what I mean? To me, it's actually about identity politics. It's about, uh, I feel like really confronting the ideas that you should be looking for things to check off in your life. And it's a really complex thing because I do think a, a lot of people, I think almost all of us could afford to like broaden our spectrums, like reach out to different uh, people from different walks of life, like we've been saying more drastically than we do. But the issue is tokenism is kind of like looking for things to hit. Like, do I have like, do I have like a trans person? Do I have like a person of color? Do I have like a loud, whereas like representation is a harder concept to digest because it's kind of blind. It's abstract. It's something where like identity shouldn't matter as much because identity isn't holding you back. And unfortunately, like our history as a country has been the exact opposite where 
who you are, what your what your skin is, like what gender or sex you are, uh, like what your age is. Everything has a specific identity attached to it. And I believe that if we could like help promote like the embracing of other people's identities without needing to focus on them, then it would be it would be amazing. But so far, I feel like we're just at step one, which is a good step. But like step one, which is acknowledging that not everybody has the same opportunities and rights to life. Have any of you guys been met with with the idea of only oh you only won or you only got where you were because you were a person of color um especially you know with today's social climate and uh, maybe people feeling like oh well they needed a queen of color because of today's social climate have y'all been met with that and if so how do you combat that type of mentality oh girl we all know um the uh the twinning that goes that goes on in drag race history between me and trinity i cannot tell the amount of black monkeys i was called how many images were sent to me on twitter or tagged on twitter on instagram of a monkey with a with a with like a crown photoshop with it saying you only won because and um, you know, growing up in New York City, I've always been someone with like tough, with like with with very tough skin. Honestly, a lot, lot, lots of queer people do. We have been made fun of since elementary school. We have really tough skin. Like we know how to deal with it. But you know, it it is something that that does get to you. But I just I'm, but I'm constantly reminded, and I think a lot of it comes with like the self reassurance and from friends and from family and from honestly lots of girls in the franchise. I'm like, why do I care what? This person who only saw me for uh, eight weeks on television thinks when you guys like 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 Asia like Shay who have known me for a long time when you guys are reassuring me you're fierce you deserve it and 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 friends and family who have known me for 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 my entire life are assuring me of my of my deservingness to win it and I think it's just I know and it's so much and again I get it it's so much easier said than done so don't so so don't let that stuff bother you but it's just like not letting. The insecurities, because again, a lot of it is sometimes is projection. Sometimes these people, they have gotten things in their life or they think things because of certain actions that have happened to them. So they're projecting those insecure feelings onto you and your successes. So I think it's just compartmentalizing it that way, knowing that their insecurity of my win has nothing to do with me and it's completely about them and nothing to do with me at all. Okay, so on a more fun note, let's talk about some of your favorite moments, challenges, runways from your season or from your All-Star season. Who wants to start? Um, I think one of my favorite moments from our season was definitely a moment where I found myself in the worst position um, when I ended up in the bottom with Heidi. I, I, girl, I was like, oh my God, either I can go home right now or I can just take the opportunity to show what I do. Um, but it was like one of those things where like me and Heidi kind of like, we were starting to build like a sisterhood and then we found ourselves together in a terrible spot. But I still felt like we worked it out and we still turned it and we still did what we had to do. And it ended up being one of the best moments that I had on the show, even when it was like one of the moments where I was like stuck in a corner. Which is crazy because I feel like that's how life is. A lot of times you like find yourself in a horrible position and the way you come out of that situation is how you turn. You you can make a, a sunny day out of a rainstorm. I would have to say um, one of my favorites from season nine would have to be the ball challenge. That just felt really full circle because for me as a viewer and a fan of the show, the ball challenge of season three was what really made me fall in love with RuPaul's Drag Race and like want to try doing drag and having the ability to go and compete on the show and the challenge that really inspired me to start the whole journey and win it was really, really amazing for me. 
one of my favorites from all is honestly from All Stars Five. I the moment, and I I talked about Shay with this on, on on the interview that we did before. But when India came and shared that information, then Shay literally two seconds later went because you would think like, okay, Shay gonna keep that information to herself. She like I got it. Shay went to the group. We're like, well, India just said this. You want you want to talk about Alexis? I was like, yes, yes. Yes, it's so good. Look, that's like <laughs> that's like the household that I grew up in. If like somebody was saying something about somebody, my my parent would be like, "Okay, so like literally, here's the tea. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> Let's get down to the truth." My personal favorite moments were like the that I still get uh, uh, like like bashed over for being like a loud, like abrasive, know it all, like also enter whatever racist monkey like. Like Uncle Tom, I get it. I, I get it from such a complex angle, but those were always my favorite times because, like the the power that drag gave me in my life was the power to at least when I put on like all this makeup and shit, pretend like I'm worth it and like it doesn't matter like what my skin color is, doesn't matter like how I actually was born to look because I control the energy right now. My favorite parts from the shows are always the part when the girls are all in the workroom and they're all just having a good time kikiing. That's really my favorite part about it all because you just see so many people come together and just have a good time and really celebrate each other, tell their own stories and stuff. That's really the part that always gets me. I was, I'm a big old crybaby. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and to actually have like been able to be a part of that in my own season as well. I was like, oh, this is like real. I'm like, oh, so this is like, Getting to know all the other girls, it's like, it's like, it's like a true sisterhood, and it's just building th that future together. It's something that I've always looked forward to. Uh, growing up, I was very much a loner, so I was very, very excited to uh, start to forge a family of my own in this journey. So yeah, definitely the coming together and the good kikiing in the workroom is always my favorite part. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Season 12 brought us our very first and hopefully last virtual finale. So, Jada, how much time did you have to prepare for that? And what was your strategy move? We did not have a lot of time to prepare. I think they gave us like the same amount of time that you would normally have to prepare. But I thought it was really super important for me, especially being in the, in the finale, um, and with my drag style. Because I know what people see, like, they'll say, oh, she's a pageant queen, girl. She's going to be so boring. She's not going to do this. She's going to do that. And I felt like it was important for me to be like, you know what? Regardless of what people think of who I am, I still want to showcase who I am. But I also want to still make sure that the audience, whether they liked me or not, um, would still get the experience that they deserve for a finale. They would still get the looks that they deserve for a finale and the performance that they deserve for the finale. And so that's what I just wanted to make sure that I planned to do, like with the reveal of the costume and everything. We often say that, you know, the fans are the ones that pick the winners. Um, when we look at social media numbers, you are um, not as popular online as some of the other girls that were in the top three. Why do you think that is? I think um, we all know why. Um, but, uh, 
like I said, like it, it's one of those things where you slowly teach people over time about the way that things that they can work and the way that things are just by being who you are authentically and letting, allowing people to see that. I know for a fact, like on your season, I was completely shocked that you should be in the million plus club already. Um, and I did not see that. Um, and I and I was completely thrown thrown for a loop through that. So um, I just like, well, you know what? I expect going into the show based off of the way sometimes the fan base is, is that I'll probably have a low number of followers. Um, I've uh, certainly su- like exceeded where I thought I would be. All of us that are Black, um, and a lot of, so many Black queens that do drag, I feel like there's not a single Black queen who has not experienced a racial situation. Um, and a lot of times that people will pit our art against uh, other artists about our race. And I don't feel like there's ever a place where our art should equal the, the color of our skin or who we are as a person and how we live our life. If art is good, then it's good. Eventually, when you continue to be yourself and you continue to do excellence, people will have no choice but to stop being a hater and hopefully turn the tide and come to love you. That hurts me that you went on to your season knowing that like, no matter how good you were, you were gonna be less than these girls and we deserve more. So we just recently saw with Drag Race uh, becoming um, the only show of its kind that to, to um, continuously promote voting over five months of airing. Why do you think that that was so significant? Voting is extremely important. We have spent four years under an extremely oppressive administration who has rolled back so many protections and laws that affect us. And I feel like a lot of Younger people feel hopeless, but this is our moment to mobilize and create effective change and to go out there and to make our voices heard. And I think Drag Race understands that because its contestants, its producers, its creators are all people that are negatively affected by this administration and know that the only way that we're going to create positive change is by voting them out. How do you guys feel about Kamala Harris, our new Black female vice president nominee? Um, how do you feel about the whole that that just the whole idea of possibly having a Black female vice president? I'm excited about the idea of possibly having a Black female president. <laughs> she said, "Vice ain't good enough." She said, "We're reaching for the stars." I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Congratulations to Kamala for um, getting the the C. I feel like it's a really uh, great move on the part of Joe Biden to uh, get her on the ticket with him because uh, it will be really important to engage the necessary constituents that he will need in order to beat Trump. I'm just ready to see another queen, another Black queen crown this year. That would be amazing, you know? <laughs> black women have consistently showed up in the voting process for the better good. And in, in, in a way, disproportionately, that white women have not. And I think that choosing Kamala is a very smart move. It has, I know on my feed, on my, on my Instagram, Twitter, all of my Black female friends, um, or, or people I follow, Amanda Seals, X, Y, Z. They're, this is this is encouraging them to vote for Biden had they not wanted to because of whatever reasons. And, you know, and we, 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 all, we all know that stuff. But to the, to the base who still now taking this time to shade Kamala and, and post so many disparaging things about Biden and Kamala, I think that now, and, you know, this is just not the time. We literally cannot afford another four years of oppression. This is, like... 
Literally, people's lives are on the line. On a slightly lighter note, this year RuPaul's Drag Race boasts 10 Emmy nominations, plus three, of course, for Untucked. Do you think the increasingly amount, the increasing amount of nominations um, that RuPaul's Drag Race is receiving is signaling change as far as acceptance or representation in the television industry? I think the more that people see what RuPaul's Drag Race is doing, the more it, it opens the door to uh, open the doors and eyes of a lot of different people who probably never would have like watched the show and probably never would have um, saw the way that like queer people live and what drag is to them and what we to us and what we do. It helps to establish and legitimize the art of drag and like the queer experience as something that is a true art form. I feel like people are really getting the opportunity to understand that it's not a novelty, that this is an art form that is rooted in generations upon generations. This year, RuPaul stands to set a record for most wins um, if he does win again. How do you feel his hosting style um, signifies excellence? I don't really, you don't really see a lot of people that's on television right now that's hosting and just having as much fun as they want to have when they do what they do. Um, and also, like the way in which that he interacts with the girls and like draws from us for our stories to like communicate with the world. It's it's not just all, it's not always all about fun, fun, fun when he hosts, but it's also about making connections with the contestants on the show. RuPaul plays so many different roles in the production as opposed to so many other Hosts, you know, like he's in the workroom, you know, he plays Tim, he plays Heidi, you know, RuPaul does all these different roles within the show, but then also is someone that is there having these really amazing, genuine connections uh, with the contestants. It's amazing to see how he is able to like almost bring out that vulnerability into other people in like almost like a beautiful way of you being able to like let out those emotions because being there, you can get very frustrated and she it almost allows you a place to like let it all out and it not like drag you down. And it's it's beautiful. It's, a, it's an art form to the hosting. And I think he's mastered it really. In all aspects, how would you guys like to see the franchise grow? I want to see more stories. I want to see more diversity on the show. And I think by having more stories on the show, it's going to connect even more people. I would just love to see like more more of our stories told in different ways because clearly we're slaying the competition. <laughs> Do you think that the representation within the franchise of RuPaul's Drag Race is making a, an impact on the community and if so, how? If nothing else, it's forcing people to confront the issues that they have with the different groups or diversity, uh, like uh, aspects of diversity that make them uncomfortable. Have any of you used your platform for activism within the Black Lives Matter movement or beyond? Every, each and every one of us I have seen has posted from day one, also even before this, um, it's just, I've, we've all been so vocal and I think that where a lot of us found ourselves is having friends who weren't Black and friends, queens, sisters, <laughs> Or people we thought were sisters were not looking out for us and the and our community um, when we needed them most. But a lot of that has changed, and I think I honestly want to like give like a thumbs up and a work girl to the Aquarius and the Trinities who have been so vocal and have really let their support for the Black Lives Matter movement um, be 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 stone cold and fierce. If you had to say something or give one piece of advice or information as a queen of color, but also as a winner, what would that be? Open your mind. Don't be afraid to learn something new about yourself or about someone else. Um, openness is really how the world 
progressive. Right now, I can't afford timid allies. I don't need people who who tweet it but don't walk it. Like if I, I need I need people to really really believe that I deserve the same rights that they do. They'll send you a message and they'll say, hey girl, I only have like 10 followers. Like, what can I do? Like, I don't think, don't ever underestimate what your platform is and may be because from those 10 followers, one might be your Uncle Bob who 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 thought a certain way and you just posting an article or resharing of this or, or, or showing him a clip will flip a switch or change minds. Like little, little, little courses of action tend to reap really big rewards. So don't ever think that your platform is too small, that you cannot affect change because you don't have a large platform, a lot of followers that people will see it because you never, you just never know. My best advice would be to trust yourself, to believe in yourself, to believe in your divine power and to not be afraid of sharing that with the world because you are absolutely special and beautiful and you deserve everything that you want in this world and then some. Just as much work that anybody else puts in is the same amount of work that we put in. Our art is just as important, just as beautiful, um, just as deserving of praise and just as deserving of a cute coin and a good tip and a follow. Um, and um, just always know and just respect people for who they are. At the end of the day, dress for Rolling I was who I am, a beautiful black man dressing up as a beautiful black woman or if I happen to be Caucasian or Latina or whatever, whoever I was in my life, just respect people for who they are and just love people for the art and the work that they put out into the world. You guys, my name is Asia O'Hara. Thank you for joining us for Entertainment Weekly's awardist coverage of the Emmys. And thank you so much. This is Heidi in Closet. This is Evie Oddly, Jada Essence Hall, Shea Coulee, and Monet Exchange. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.